Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly, the newest member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who great, is grateful to finally be having Weber State games to watch, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, a man who is thankful that Jay Hill is still the head football coach at Weber State, Dustin Chapman. There's some people that are going to fry me for that, but that's okay. It's all right, Chappie. I'm sure you're used to it by now. Next, we have a man who is thankful to see Tavian Percy throw down on two opponents this week, AD. That's right. He's going to be catching some bodies, and I can't wait. <laughs> and finally, we have a man who is thankful for all of Thanksgiving week. That includes the sports, the food, the shopping, you name it, John King. We're going to start out with a great spread that my 80-year-old grandmother is going to make for everybody all by herself, about 15 people. She's going to cook for the whole house, and then we're all going to get together, hopefully. I don't know how COVID is going to change this plan and hit the streets early Friday morning, Black Friday shopping, get out there, feel the rush, see the crowd, and hopefully get a couple good things. And drop some bows, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On today's show, basketball is back. So we're going to be chatting with Standard Examiner Sports Editor Brett Hine about his takes on this Wildcat men's basketball team, what we can expect and kind of what he's seeing in his time covering the team. We also have a Dixie State preview, of course, like we talked about last week. Weber State will be traveling to St. George on Saturday to take on the Trailblazers. So we got uh, Sports Radio 97.7 FM's Devin Dixon to talk to us a little bit about this. Dixie State team and what Wildcat fans can expect when the the squad goes down on Saturday afternoon. And finally, we got a game called Tired and Wired. And we know that the quarantine has gone on for such a long time that we thought we'd throw it to our panel. What's tired and what's wired with your quarantine time? But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, whether you're listening on Apple's podcast, Spotify, Stitch, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to uh, subscribe. And uh, that way we can find our way into your feed every single week. After all, it is Weber State Weekly. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly crew. And finally, if you haven't already, please tell your friends. If if you have Wildcat fans in your family and you happen to maybe see a couple of them on your Zoom Thanksgiving meals this weekend, tell them about Weber State Weekly. We'd love to get the numbers up and continue continue to grow the alumni destruction. Now, Wildcat fans, we are excited to bring back Standard Examiner Sports Editor Brett Hine to chat with us and our panel about what to expect since basketball starting up this week. We'll be facing Adam State on Wednesday, and then we'll be turning around, taking a quick trip down to St. George to face Dixie State on Saturday. We thought we'd pick Brett Hine's brain. He's got a little bit of insight when it comes to Weber State basketball, and so we brought him on the show to talk a little bit about what he thinks this team could be. Uh, he's had a lot of chats with them and interactions and uh, just kind of get his thoughts. So, Brett Hine, welcome back to Weaver State Weekly. It's great to be here, gentlemen. Always like what you're doing. Always good to be part of it. Yeah, we appreciate you, man, for taking the time. Uh, so, Brett, uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is sort of kind of just a general run, a uh, general one. What will you be watching for this season as I mean, we have a short non-conference schedule, and then we get right into conference play. Uh, what are you watching for as the season progresses with this Wildcat squad? As I've said on Twitter a couple times, and it's kind of the main thought, especially with more news coming out today, the number one thing is just playing games. Like, are they actually playing games or not? That's, like, really the only expectation. Uh, I mean, just today, University of Utah men's and women's team uh, canceled, I think, the first two games for each program this week. So. 
a lot of teams are, are good to go this week, but that's, we're probably coming up on maybe 20% of men's programs in the across the country, Division One men's programs, who have had to camp, who were set up to play on Wednesday, the 25th, which is when the season starts, and are no longer able to play because of you know positive tests or contact tracing. Um, you know, Larry Crisco of Yaki, Utah, said he got COVID. He's out of quarantine on Friday. That's really the number one thing: is are they getting games in, and are they are they somewhat regular? I guess. The the only thing to keep in mind that schools are kind of looking at is to meet the certification to be a sponsored Division One sport. You have to play 13 games total to qualify for the NCAA tournament, or I guess get your cut of the NCAA tournament money. You have to play 13 Division One opponents. So that's just like the bare minimum of like, are we playing games? Uh, most people, except the crazies at Dixie, are playing with no fans. Uh, they're trying to make it happen. That's the one thing to always keep in mind. Because uh, things really turned south a few weeks ago, and kind of put in jeopardy something that I really thought we we would never be in this position come November, which is you know it's it's stunning in its own ways. But that's really the number one thing is uh, how often do you get to watch them play, and are they going to meet those those minimums? Brett, I also wanted to ask you which recent edition are you most intrigued by on this Wildcat team? That's a really good question because. <laughs> Like you said, there's nine of them, so there's kind of a lot of intrigue. Uh, you know, Isaiah Brown, you, you guys have heard from him, uh, you know, both on your show and, and just elsewhere, of, you know, what he's trying to prove. And he feels like he's kind of everything in his basketball career has kind of led to this season where he can kind of prove really what he's all about. So, Brett, we've talked uh, on this show and about in other places about the, the fact that there are nine new transfers coming into this Wildcats, uh, Wildcat men's basketball. Which recent edition are you most intrigued by? Because there are quite a few to choose from. Yeah. Uh, so with so many new players, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of players to be intrigued by, a lot of unknowns. Um, a lot of players kind of looking to take that next step in their college basketball careers as far as their responsibilities and roles on a team, uh, how much they contribute. Um, Isaiah Brown is one of those that, uh, you know, he's he really feels like he's um, everything his basketball career is led up to this, where he can be a scorer when they need a score, be kind of the floor general, you know, run the offense when they just kind of know know what needs to be done and help his team win at all times because um, uh, he was he was the best player in Washington coming out of high school. So he's been a part of a good team as freshman year at Northwestern. But other than that, it's probably not been what he expected. Um, I'm really interested in, in, in Tavian Percy. Um, uh, at least a few of you guys probably follow some of the pe- players and coaches and things on, on social media and see what gets put out there. But he's, he's in just the last – I guess three months. He's increased his vertical leap from his max vertical from 44 and a half, which is still really good. To 47, like that's like one of the top marks, uh, or better than the top marks that have ever been done at the combine, the NBA combine. So he's really put in a lot of work to get ready for this season. He was somebody that the New Mexico beat writers spoke really highly of. Uh, you know, in his limited sample size of playing, that for the most part he he definitely looked like he belonged on the floor uh, and contributed on both ends. All right, Brett. So I'm curious to know, last year was just really disappointing from pretty much every perspective, especially for Weber State, a program that's had a ton of success in the past. And I think a lot of people in the fan base 
are really hoping that this team will just kind of get a fresh start. You know, we've, we had a ton of roster turnover, a lot of new transfers coming in. And so I'm curious to know your take as to what you think the biggest differences are between last year's disappointing team and this year with all the, the high hopes and the potential that this team has. It's really just a brand new thing. I don't know if last year has really anything to do with this season. Just, you know, everyone else was somewhere else. Uh, and they've, they only heard about how it was a disappointing season. So it really is a good opportunity for everybody, but individually, all these players, you know, Juco guys, D1 transfers who really prove themselves, and the returning guys at Weber who, you know, just want to leave last year, you know, behind. And and so far, I mean, everyone's, uh, you know, mostly everyone is healthy. I'm certainly not uh, problems to the level of the beginning of last year. So um, that's always a starting point. And then uh, beyond that, we are. We, we're all in the same boat as far as what, how does it come together? What does it look like? How do these guys play together? They all speak really highly of each other and the process that they've gone through in, in the off season. It's just kind of going to be a, a wait and see to see how the it actually turns out. Why do you think there was so much turnover from last year to this year? I mean, I, maybe we should all move on from, I don't know, but it it, it is a lot of new players and, and I'm, we're excited to have them in town. And I, from the interviews we've had and everything we've read, it, they're, they're going to be really good, but that's that's just a lot of turnover. Is that the way college basketball is going forward with with the new transfer rules, or um, did it represent something more going on inside the program? It's a little bit of all of that. Um, you know, they obviously the result on the floor last season was just not what anybody wanted um, with the Jarek Harding and Cam Davis injuries, especially had a lot of young guards, true freshman guards. Um, you know, asked to to play major minutes in the early on, um, and it just was not a recipe for success. Um, and it it was basically it was basically uh, just taking a time, picking a time. Uh, I, I think Randy Ray had had this in his mind for for more than just last season. Uh, to where seeing seeing as everyone else around the Big Sky, Portland State, you know, Northern Colorado, and pulling in transfers, D one transfers, and 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 juco guys you know it's it's a cliche that a lot of fans get really tired of but if you're if you're trotting out you know a bunch of freshmen guys who are juniors and seniors that's really not really not a recipe for success um and and there's there's some discussion to be had there about you know the, the freshmen that they recruited why you know why weren't they good enough uh um, there was an offensive philosophy switch and then change back that kind of threw a big kink and everything so there's definitely a lot to that. Um, I will say that the, the the players that moved on from last year, <clears throat> I think, you know, and this is just trying to be as impartial as I can. You know, some of them just weren't quite good enough to play Division One basketball, whether that was, uh, you know, misidentifying their readiness or injuries like Buki Diakite, um, just guys like that. Um, some of it was players choosing to move on themselves. Um, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of behind the scenes that you th- you think sometimes it gets left in high school, where parents get involved, and uh, you know, so each case is its own thing. And with that many guys leaving, uh, it's hard to kind of give a one answer to that. But hopefully, that kind of paints the picture. Um, and that's why that's why you've seen everyone who's gone to a Division One program, uh, Tim Fuller and Caleb Nero, and uh, Dima Zador. They all got waivers. Weaver helped them out, caught them eligible so they can play right away. Um, Because, you know, they 
nothing. They didn't have anything against the kids. It was just kind of time to to make a switch in the program to um, to recruit in a different way that was, you know, didn't kind of start them at a disadvantage is what it felt like a lot of times uh, from my perspective. Yeah. So uh, Brett, kind of bringing things back to how, you know, this particular season is going to start. I mean, you know, we have two games this week against division two opponents. Um, It's going to be hard, I think, to kind of get a gauge for, you know, what the talent level of the team is because I mean, no disrespect, but we're not playing regular Division One competition. So, what would what do you think we should try to take away from these two games um, since that that we have coming up this week? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I will say that at least we're we're skipping the uh, uh, you know the National Christian Colleges Association Athletics Association, uh, <laughs> like the West Coast Baptists. Um, I think those will probably have a place on the schedule here and there and in our hearts, but, uh, at least, at least it's a little better than that. But I mean, what you want to see is, especially now that, uh, with those two at the beginning of the year, that probably wasn't going to be how it played out in the original schedule months ago before, you know, before the NCAA de- delayed the start of the season. But one thing I will say about the Saturday game at Dixie is, uh, you know, they they are a division one program now, and this will be their first division one game and their first home game and it's against an in-state D1 opponent and they could have up to a thousand fans in the arena. Uh, so it could be kind of a wild atmosphere, uh, just kind of the, the inherent excitement that's going to go along with that. And the fact that there's fans in the building in the first place, um, I wouldn't think that would, you know, me- <laughs> spell doom to Weber State by any means. But well, Brett Hine, uh, sports editor for the Standard Examiner, we appreciate you taking the time to come chat with us on Weber State Weekly about what to expect from this new Wildcat men's basketball squad. We've got a couple of games this week on Wednesday and Saturday, and so we appreciate you talking us through it and helping us to understand kind of what you're seeing from your perspective as a sports editor. Yeah, it's it's good to be on. Uh, I appreciate it and. Yeah, I mean, here we are, week number one. There's two games on the schedule. Let's see, let's see if we get two games, you know, completed to their to zeros on the clock. That's that's the baseline, like I said, and hopefully it'll be exciting to follow and that you know enough teams get it all the way to to March. All right, we want to thank Brett Hine again for coming on the show to talk to us a little bit about this Wildcat team and. I wanted to get the thoughts of the panel before we move on to our next interview. Guys, what do you think, uh, based on some of the things that Brett told us here today, uh, anything that caught your attention, anything that got you thinking, please feel free to share. Well, I'm just going to be excited, you know, just to see Weber State Wildcats running up and down the court, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that was kind of something that he was talking about is that, you know, he's really not going to believe that the season is happening until, you know, clock strikes zero and you know we've played a full game but i've i mean you know all signs are looking good and you know on wednesday night we're gonna we're gonna have a basketball game and i know that's crazy to see and we've you know gone through i think 18 weeks of this show since we started and you know finally we're gonna have some live you know real live content yeah that's a good point and i think that brett did a really good job of sort of emphasizing that that you know yes we have this schedule in front of us and yes we've talked a lot about what could happen but uh like you said john any anything could shut that down i mean covid could shut that down at any time and even though we have games on the schedule that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be games that get played so you know be grateful to just finally 
see Wildcat Sports on Pluto TV or listening to Steve Klauke on 1031 The Wave uh, if it and when it happens. So I got to back John up here. And I I think that uh, I think that's exactly right. You know, I think that's probably the single biggest takeaway. Me personally, I'm guilty of getting a little carried away. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of assume these things are going to happen. I still haven't rewired my brain to think that, you know, there's a pandemic going on. People are putting stuff on hold all the time. We've got big sky opponents who are having to postpone their first games. But for me, like I, I don't know what it is. My brain just hasn't been rewired that way. And so hearing Brett talk about it, it kind of makes me think about things a little bit differently. And I'm certainly going to do my best to enjoy that every single bit of basketball that we get to see this season. And we heard our, our friends at the, the Fight on Montana podcast talking to John Casper from the conference, and he broke it down very well, saying that, you know, for anybody to be eligible for the postseason, you got to play 13 games. And I mean, there's a chance we might not play 13 games. We've got the schedule out for 20 conference games, but you really have no clue what's going to happen here throughout this entire season. It's going to be a, a game by game basis where we're looking at things and reevaluating things on the fly. There might be some crazy tiebreaker where one team plays. 20 conference games. The other team plays 10 conference games and somehow they've got to make the standings work for all this, for the post, the, the postseason seating and everything. It's just, it's going to be a crazy season, but I'm looking forward to it and I'm going to enjoy every minute that we get. Yeah. I think you're right. AC, because if, you know, if you watch baseball this summer, you know, the, the game, this, the season was only 60 games and there were certain teams, namely they are the St. Louis Cardinals who ended up missing 20 games because of COVID outbreak in their clubhouse. And so, you know, that could easily be a thing that we see in a basketball program. It could even happen at Weber State, hopefully not, but it could happen. And that would cut down on the number of games that actually get played. And then you have to look at things like win percentage as a, as a, as a metric for who gets seated where, and that could, that could lead to all kinds of crazy things, like you said. So we could be in for a really wild ride. Chappie, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go back a little bit. I I was surprised that Brett talked a little, talked about Randy Ray possibly thinking about the turnover of this team and 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 getting a bunch of bringing in a bunch of D1 players or or P5 players, however we want to call them, um, for for a while now. That that was an interesting thought to me. That uh, you know, because I've spent a lot of time over the last year or two just wondering why there was so much turnover, why the team didn't work out last year. And um, it's interesting to him to, to, to hear him say that that seemed like a, med- a premeditated move on, on Randy's part. And it makes sense. I mean, with, with Derek Harding leaving the program and uh, kind of being the transition from, you know, one rain as it will to the next, uh, it makes sense, but it's just, it's just interesting to, to hear about how much thought was going into that. Very true. And uh, I think that, it's definitely it seems to be a trend in college basketball, especially if you're a mid-major like Weber State is, that you try and find maybe some of those P5 guys who are looking to be a grad transfer and play a final season in a uniform. It seems like it's something that's definitely happened quite often in Missoula. It seems like it's uh, something that we're going to be trying here in Ogden. I guess we'll find out how that looks as the weeks go on, so long as we're able to play. Now we are excited to welcome DSU's, well, the voice of the Trailblazers uh, and Sports Radio 97.7 FM's Devin Dixon, welcome to Weber State Weekly to chat with us a little bit about the Dixie State Trailblazers, what we can expect to see on Saturday when the Wildcats go down to St. George to face them. Thanks for coming to Weber State Weekly. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Also want to note that Devin has his own show, the Devin Dixon Show, down in St. George. Uh, Devin, maybe uh, throw in a little bit about that. Kind of talk to us a little bit about your show and what you do down there. 
Um, we're just we're just ESPN Radio here in Southern Utah, just an affiliate, and we've got uh, the Knights, Vegas Golden Knights, the Raiders, of course, the Utah Jazz, and we've got Dixie State, and then we do a lot of the you know the high school broadcasts as well. So keep ourselves pretty busy down here in Southern Utah. Plenty of plenty of sports to go around for sure. So Devin, let's let's talk a little bit about the Trailblazers. I wanted to ask you, you know, for Wildcat fans, we haven't really seen the Trailblazers really ever and if we have, it's been a super long time. Talk, talk to us a little bit about this DSU squad. What can we look for as fans when the game comes up on Saturday? Well, if you know anything about John Judkins, he knows how to win and you know, the players change, they come and go, but Juddy's system is Juddy's system and you know, the jump's been interesting obviously in a pandemic, you know, trying to recruit a division one caliber player, but they've always felt like they've already recruited a D one caliber player, but just some guys that maybe slipped through the cracks when they were in the Juco days, it was completely different. And then, you know, they were in the pack West and then the Rocky mountain athletic conference and, and now the whack and, you know, it's a, it's a nice town. It's beautiful. It's been tougher to recruit probably because they can't have official visits. It's easy to get kids on campus and see the beautiful area and everything there is to offer in Southern Utah. That's been a little bit of a challenge, but he's got a lot of guys coming back. I mean, Dason Youngblood's coming back. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they use Dason at the one or if they slide him to the two and use Cam Gooden, a Juco transfer. Um, and we'll probably see both those guys start. My guess is we'll see Dason at the two. Dason can score. It. He's he, he, 10 points a game last year. Uh, in-state kid. Uh, brother, Daler, played for Dixie State. Um, the only thing Dayson's got to really improve upon this year is the three-point shooting. Struggled a little bit last year, but if he can improve and get up to about maybe 34, 35, 36%, I think he could have a, a really big year. Um, you know, and then they got they got a great they got great bigs, man. That's one, one thing Juddy always has is some solid fundamental big men. And Hunter Schofield, I mean, WAC coaches haven't even seen this kid yet, and he's already second team on the preseason poll. Um you know, be interesting to see exactly how healthy he is for, for these first couple of games or if they nurse him along. But I went down to the scrimmage the other day and he looked really, really, really good in practice. But in the scrimmage, they held him back. So I'm not sure exactly what what's going on there, but hopefully he'll be ready by Saturday and, and be ready to go. He was, you know, second leading scorer to Jack Pagenkoff, who graduated last year. And they're going to miss Jack. That's the big question mark is how's that point guard look? Because as you guys know, for most coaches, you know, that, that point guard is extension of the coach on the floor. And that's really true in Coach Judkins' case. But then behind that, man, they had a great freshman season from Frank Stain, 6'6", combo guard from Inglewood. He, he impressed everybody. It's not very often, guys, that a freshman comes in and plays for Juddy. It doesn't matter if you're Division Two or Division One. That didn't happen very often. And uh, Frank, Frank, Frank was unbelievable. I mean, shot it well defended long can rebound can get out and run smart high iq and so i'm really looking for a, a big season from frank stan watch out for frank on saturday so Devin, i wanted to ask you talked a little bit about this about who might be the leader of this team and especially the the critical role that the point guard plays especially in coach Jenkins system and so i wanted to put the question to you you know with with so many seniors going out you know we kind of have a same the same situation up here in ogden with jared harding now gone cody john right. now gone in the backcourt there's an opportunity for someone else to lead for dsu who do you think it becomes that leader for this 2020 2021 squad well i think initially because dason's been in the system for so long i think it's dason youngblood um you know cameron gooden could become that but we haven't seen him play a game Yet, um, you know, he, he was at Chipola and then was at Kilgore. Didn't play much at Chipola, only started once, but then, you know, started and averaged about 14 points a game, I think, at Kilgore College. But 
but yeah, I mean, I, I think Hunter Schofield's the guy too. I mean, he, he's respected. He's been in the system. He works hard. He's fundamentally sound. He lets his play talk, talk you know, back up the talk. He's not a big talker. He's kind of a quiet leader. Um, Jared Green's a guy that could have a big role and a leadership role as a senior, 6'9", 255, out of Blackfoot, Idaho, went to college in North Idaho and then transferred down. I think he might be the most improved player from last year to this year. Watching him over the weekend, he looked really, really good. So, but this is going to be some a, a mixture, guys. It's going to be, yeah, some of the seniors like Adason Youngblood and Hunter Schofield are going to lead you, but I think Ahmad El Neal could come in and get some minutes. Um, Isaiah Pope, uh, transfer from Humboldt, if he gets the waiver, he could be a guy that would be in the rotation. And then Mula Bea, the freshman out of East, he, I really like this kid. I'm excited about this kid. 6'6", 210, long wingspan. Uh, he's going to be in the rotation too. Um, you know, it was interesting. He, he's, he, he was not scrimmaging the other day, but – you know, he was on the sideline helping with the clock and telling guys to do this. And he was actually really involved. And, and that was unusual for a freshman to be pretty vocal. So I, I think they really like Andre Mulabea. Um, but that's the one thing about Coach Judkins teams, man. It's it's a total team effort. They don't if you look back the over Coach Judkins career, they never have a guy that's an individual one-on-one guy. They can go, you know, get 30 shots a night and score 25 to 30 points. That's just – they got four or five guys in double figures, anywhere from 10 to 15 points a game, and they just run the system. So, um, it, it's a good question. I'm sure there is going to be some guys that are going to have to take the lead. But, um, you know, you're looking at Dason Youngblood and Hunter Schofield that, that will do that. But Coach Judkins is the real leader of this team for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I mean, in, in college basketball, Coach – or excuse me, in college athletics in general, coaching – tends to be the differentiator. Um, Devin, I want to go a little broader view. St. George is, is, has, has really morphed itself from a, you know, retirement community, got whatever that it was. And up until the eighties, nineties to, I mean, it's an ambitious town. I mean, I, I would, I would say that St. George has big ambitions. How, how is D one athletics going to play, going to play in St. George? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we've known about it for over a year and a half. And then finally, Ju- July 1st, it was official. And, and, you know, we spent a good portion of the summer talking about SUU versus Dixie State. First football game of the season. Well, that game never happened. I mean, you know, this is the first ever Division One game. And, you know, there's going to be a thousand fans at the stadium, Trailblazer club members, uh, family members of both teams. And then there's going to be season ticket holders. Um, but that that's it. So it's going to be about 20, 25 percent capacity for this game. But the, the buzz is there. I got a lot of people. They're like, hey, Dixie State's playing Weber State. They're playing Utah State. They're playing Gonzaga. Are you kidding me? Dixie State's playing Gonzaga this year. So I think there's a lot of excitement. I mean, I was just geeking out on the baseball schedule. I mean, four pack, 12 schools. And, you know, instead of no, no disrespect to the RMAC, but people just didn't familiarize themselves with, you know, Caro Mesa or School Mines or Adam State or the Black Hills State. Those just weren't school, great schools, great athletic programs. People just didn't recognize them. And you got to, a lot of people, like you said, moving into Southern Utah, it's a great place to be. It's not a hidden gym anymore. It's the secrets out on Southern Utah. I mean, this town is growing like crazy. 
uh, from the weather to the golf to, you know, all the national parks close by, it's a destination. And, and I think uh, Dixie State's ready to make that leap with, with the town growing. I think, um, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some growing pains, but I think they're ready for the challenge. And we'll find out this Saturday exactly, uh, exactly what it's like to, you know, jump up and play a big sky school that's had a, a great, great track record going back in the days. I think it, it brings a lot to the state, you know, is, is, is maybe to that second tier of, 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 you know, not BYU, Utah type athletics, but I don't know, I'm excited to see that just from the St. George point of view, because my theory is here in Utah, we tend to like quote unquote, big league stuff, you know, soccer was not as, as big a thing in this state until we had a major league soccer team, you know? So I, I'm excited to see how St. George embraces this just from the aspect of, Hey, this is, you know, this is the top tier of college athletics. Yeah. And unfortunately we're really not going to know because they're not going to be able to put, you know, a full amount of fans in the Burns arena. But I have to believe that, you know, this game, even though it's on a holiday weekend and it's an afternoon game would have been near a sellout, you know, same thing with all these other, when New Mexico State comes to to St. George. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really exciting. I've had a number of people asking me, how do you think they're going to do in their first year as Division One?" And yeah, I'm like, you know what? The coaches believe that they can really step in and compete right away. Um, they were the RMAC Conference champs last year. They were the number three seed going into the tournament at 23 wins and seven losses before the pandemic shut things down. They were literally jud- judging the team was on a flight going had to turn around and fly back so and everybody had to deal with that but you know you don't know how teams are going to shake off the rust you don't know you know what's going to happen if there's going to be some games you're shorthanded a player some days you got a full strength you know there's going to be so many questions this season I'm just hoping we can get through a season guys I'm just excited basketball's here and hopefully we can finish what we start we can't afford not to have March Madness again this year guys it's killing me Hey, I'm with you. We got to have this basketball going. We got to get March Madness back. So I'm with you all the way. I, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit more about Coach Judkins. You know, he comes from the famous basketball family, Judkins family. He's been at Dixie State for a long time, and he's had a ton of success. You look at his record, it's extremely consistent over the years, and not only consistent, but it's a lot of winning. So what are some of the hallmarks that he's had on his teams throughout the years at Dixie? Well, he's always had a really good point guard, like a Jack Pegenkoff last year, 15, six and six type guy. Um, he, he's had the Brandon Simisters, uh, Mason Sawyers. Um, and then he's had, you know, really athletic point guards in the past, like Trevor Hill and Daquan Thompson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with some of the great players that have come through the program, but the point guard is always such an important thing, but you don't, you know, he was five time coach of the year in the PAC West when they were in the PAC West. Um, he should have been, he got snubbed last year as the uh, RMAC coach of the year, but he's a humble down to earth guy, man. He, every time I see him, he's like, Hey, how's your kids golfing? You know, I'm like, they're doing great coach. How's the team? He's like, well, we're doing great. I'm like, give me something. And he's like, Oh, we got this. And we're thinking about this. And I'm really excited. He's just easy to talk to. Just the nicest guy in the world. Love St. George. I, I thought for a long time. I remember I was a Dixie State College student taking the sports broadcasting class. And I was doing the campus TV call when he was the coach of Snow College in 2001, 2002 season. And I'm the guy on the radio, our TV yelling, down goes Snow. Dixie's going to the national championship. And Juddy got a copy of that the other day. He's like, dude, why were you yelling so much? Easy does it. He was giving me a hard time about that call. I'm like, I was just a kid. I was just having fun. I didn't even know you then, coach. Sorry. He's like, no, you're good. I'm just teasing. He got, got a laugh out of it. But 
Um, me and him play a lot of round of golf together and, and we get along great. And he's just, he, he's a perfectionist though. And he expects things. And you know what, if you're, if you're dogging it or you don't know the plays or you're not doing what you need to, you know, you jeopardize your minutes. He's going to find somebody that's going to get the job done. And he's not scared to shake up combinations of starters or divvy up minutes. A lot of guys are going to get some playing time. I would imagine against Weber state this weekend, but uh, after that, you know, he's going to try to find the guys that really can get out there and get the job done. And he's really good at defining players' roles. He sets precise expectations. And good coaches do that. You guys know that. I mean, and if those guys know what they're expected and they go get it done, that just makes the team better for it. And then just kind of following up with that uh, really quickly, you know, for people who haven't watched Dixie State basketball over the past couple years, you know, what would you say, like, what would you say to expect from a Dixie State basketball team, you know, on Saturday night when Weber State makes a trip down to St. George? What's what, what kind of offensive system they're going to they're going to run? Like, what are the basics of kind of the system they have put together? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I, I didn't get to glean a lot and I was only at the scrimmage for about an hour. And I don't want to give all Juddy's secrets away, but you're going to see a lot of ball screens. You're going to see a lot of motion. You're going to see. Um, unselfish basketball, pass up a good shot to get a better look at a three. Um, They're a team that does want to pound the post. I mean, they want to go points in the paint, and if it's not there, get it back out, get an open look. Um, They can get out and run. Um, Cam Gooden, Jason Youngblood, Frank Stain, even their bigs can really run the floor. Um, They got a new big that I haven't really seen a lot of yet. His name is Mikey Frazier. He's he's 6'11", scored it you know, is a Boise state transfer, went to a Juco and now he's here. Um, you know, he, he's even got a great perimeter shot. So I, the, Juddy always recruits shooters, right? But they're not just shooters. He wants guys that can really defend it's, it's rebound and run if it's there, but if not, they're very content in the half court set, work the shot clock, make sure they get a quality possession. There's no question. Well, we can only hope for the best for the you best guys down there, except for, of course, on Saturday. I'm hoping the Wildcats have a good showing against the Trailblazers. But, uh, Devin, we really appreciate you coming on Weber State Weekly to chat with us about Dixie State. Talk to us through, you know, what to watch for and what to kind of expect when the two squads face each other in St. George. We want to say thanks again to Devin Dixon for, for coming on Weber State Weekly to chat a little bit about Dixie Sport, Dixie State sports. And uh, now we're going to transition to our final block. We're going to to talk about tired and wired the quarantine edition so we're going to ask our panel many of us have been staying home for a very long time doing our best to stay safe and contain the spread of COVID-19 so we want to ask uh, before games start up again what has been your tired and wired from quarantine before we uh before we can start seeing some wildcat basketball who wants to go first AC Let's start with you. Let's get your tired and wired quarantine edition. I've been home for a long time, far too long. And let me tell you what got tired after about a month was playing PS4. That's my tired is playing the PS4. My wired is sitting at my computer and refreshing it every 30 seconds to see who's got the PS5. I need something new. Man, so AC working on that PS5. Uh, can't, can't be playing PS4 anymore. That's that's that's. So early 2020. We're we're late 2020. Oh yeah. Now. We're, we're on to something. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a I'm a man. I I go with the times, man. And the PS5 is the new thing. Chappie's what or uh, AC's what we call in in marketing an early adopter. Love love the love those guys. So Chappie, what about you? Uh, your quarantine edition of tired and wired. 
All right, we're, we're gonna. It's Thanksgiving week. We're gonna we're gonna go wax a little bit uh, sage here on this. So two things. Um, tired is not seeing kids out. <laughs> I I had to run to the hospital to get a prescription for my wife this evening, and my daughter came in to the hospital with me to get it. And it was you know seeing a kid run down the hall and have fun was it it, caught, it it seemed weird to me and I was like man, I miss that you know and I remember I went to went to church a month or two ago and I was like man for all the times I I hated kids crying <laughs> at church like it, it I miss it <laughs> you, mm. you just miss those sounds of just seeing young people have fun and not have such a not just see serious hard looks on faces everywhere so that's my tired is just not seeing kids have fun. I'm looking forward to that again. Uh, and as far as wired, um, again, also going a little meta here. I, the thing I like the most about sports, uh, is the atmosphere. You know, that is, that is what gets me. I love having thousands of fans cheer for the same thing. And I love that energy and that noise. And you know, it's, it's not fun. (laughs) It's not fun with nobody in the stadium. it, it, it's just not the same. I, uh, I, I was of course working from home and watching lunch a couple of weeks ago and put on a champions league game on the TV and somebody in France had like a, a nearly full stadium. I have no idea how or why they did that, but you know, you could tell it felt good. <laughs> like I, I, it was noticeably different than the, the fake noise they've been piping in for, for eight months now. Like it was so much, fun to just hear real fans give real reactions to real things going on on a field. And so my wired is that I am so much looking forward to, to having a, you know, a, a full D event center or a full Stewart stadium and just being there with my, my wildcat brothers and sisters cheering on the same thing and enjoying our teams and, and instead of just having to, to, to watch them and in, in silence, it's just not the same. Yeah, I don't know about you, man, but I mean, if if there's a game on, I, I get super loud. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be the loud guy in his basement at home. That's fine with me. It's yeah, I, I got to piggyback on Chappie real quick. Like, I was watching football just this last Sunday, and there was a big play. Somebody like is a big hit, and the the ball popped out. And like, even just watching on TV, there's no reaction from the crowd, you know. And so mm-hmm. normally, when you're watching on TV, you can kind of hear that buzz in the crowd, like, "Oh crap." we might get the ball here who knows but nothing happens and so it, it takes a little bit of the fun away from me as a spectator even on tv but i'm a little bit like colby too i'm kind of the loud guy in his basement so hey colby that makes two of us we're all right i uh, i remember when i don't know if you guys watched the alcs this year when uh i can't remember who it was the the rays hit a home run off of Araldus chapman ended up uh i think they tied the game it was a blown save on that oh man i, I yelled so loud i just started laughing i was like <laughs> He freaking blew it. He blew the save. That's what he gets. Anyway, John King, tell us what's your quarantine edition of Tired and Wired. So one of the coolest things about, you know, living where I live, I live pretty close to the uh, what we call in North Carolina, the Triangle, which is the Raleigh-Durham area, is that, you know, you get quite a few, you know, music acts and like um, that come that come in this area. And I miss going to live music so much. Like, I mean, and it's, because of where we are in North Carolina, 
it's such a diverse group of musical acts. Like, I mean, I like all sorts of music. So like you can see anybody from like, you know, R&B people like Anderson Pack to like, you know, the show I really wanted to go see was they were going to have Rage Against the Machine at um, the PNC Arena, which is where NC State and the Carolina Hurricanes play. And like, that was all just going to be right down the road this summer. And, um, you know, not being able to go and do that kind of stuff, like, I, I just miss going to concerts. I love live music and it just sucks not being able to, um, not being able to go. Um, my wired is actually going to be the opposite of what AC says. This quarantine has taken me back to high school when I was a loser and didn't have a car or a license. And, you know, I've played so much Xbox with my brothers uh, and all my friends all around the country. And it has been more fun than, you know, I mean, I've been all over it. And if anybody, I'm an Xbox guy, AC. I'm not a PS, PS4, PS5 guy. If anybody has the hookup to the Xbox Series X, I have been desperately searching everywhere. I'm going to try again on Friday this week and see what we can find. But um, it's been so much fun to kind of like relive, you know, high school life before I had a car or you know a life so um anyway uh, that's my tired and wired uh team xbox here by the way and uh i will admit my fifa game has has gone up a few notches just from the from the extra games i've played chappy we'll have to get on it we'll have to get on a twitch stream and uh and, and play each other i'm sure that people want to see that that's right the weber state weekly actually i i do have a copy I bought it last year before this all happened. I went and found a crappy old Xbox 360 and got NCA 14. So we could we we could conceivably have play out do a Twitch stream of all Weber State's games this year and just uh, make some fun out of that. All right. So with that, uh, we're going to move on to upcoming events. Like we said earlier in the show, we have sports this week. So Wednesday, November 25th, men's basketball will be hosting Adams State at 7 p.m. in the Purple Palace. No fans are allowed, unfortunately. However, you can watch the game on Pluto TV or listen to Steve Klauke on 103.1 The Wave. Later this week, well, on Friday, November 27th, the women's team will have their first chance to play at Grand Canyon University. That will also be on Pluto TV. Time is yet to be announced there. Uh, so check the Weber State Wildcats app if you haven't already downloaded that. Uh, they'll, they'll keep you up in line on all of the, the times as they become available. Also, like we talked about with Devin Dixon, Saturday, November 28th, we will see men's basketball take the trip down to St. George to play Dixie State in the Burns Arena, and uh, that game will be at 2 p.m. We'll be on the radio, 103.1 The Wave. But like Devin said, he will also be doing some some commentary there. We'll be doing play-by-play for the Trailblazers. So if you want to pop over to their broadcast and listen to it, I'm sure you wouldn't mind. And finally, on Sunday, November 29th, the women's basketball team will be playing at the Purple Palace against Texas A&M International. That game will be at 3 p.m. Once again, no fans allowed, but you can watch it on Pluto TV. So keep up to date with what Coach V and the the women's squad will be doing as we get into this basketball season. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, if you're interested in contacting us, you feel free to email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. If you have ideas for the show, any feedback, please send it there. Like we said at the top of the show, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. And finally, we have a blog. Just visit us at weberstateweekly.com. Been a number of good pieces written by AC recently about football recruits, folks who are on Weber State's radar, who may commit to Weber State, who may have already committed to Weber State. You can learn more about them before they even put on a Wildcat uniform, thanks to the hard work of AC. So with that, we want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to this Thanksgiving edition of Weber State Weekly. 
And I'll wrap it up by saying Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 